Welcome to episode 33 of the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. In this episode, I talked to Jim Lake from Joe Bean Coffee and we kind of did mostly a beer nerd podcast. Uh, we did some tasting of uh, beer we picked up at Nathaniel's Corner Store in the South Wedge and we tasted a couple uh, barrel-aged beers that I brought back from Vermont. So this is kind of a hybrid of learning more about Jim uh, how he got started in the coffee business, some of his uh, beer knowledge. And, you know, we had a couple tangents, of course, but that's what I enjoy most. So um, we do take a couple breaks in there to go get samples. And uh, it was just a really good time. I, I like Jim a lot. He's a, he's a great guy. And if you love coffee or just good conversation, you should go see Jim at Joe Bean Coffee Roasters uh, over on University Ave., uh, just east of Culver. And yeah, go say hi. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you are, I'd appreciate it if you go on to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Uh, we're always trying to get more people listening, so any help would be appreciated. So thanks and enjoy the podcast. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. So I think it's about that time to get started. Um, I am here in the studio with, uh, I've never asked if, if which one you prefer or if you care. Is it, do you care if it's Jim? Do you care if it's James? Yeah, I, I actually don't care. Uh, that's, that's good. I, I really, I appreciate that in a person. Yeah. If they really, if they don't care which one it is. If you can get my attention with it. That's what I've always told people is like, yeah. Yeah, my, my, my God-given name is James. Yeah. Sure. Everyone calls me Jim, and uh, that that's just fine by me. That's <laughs> I, just, I don't care. <laughs> I, I think for, for whatever reason, it still kind of irks me when people are really sensitive about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like when you meet someone whose like, name is like Brandon, but not Brandon. It's like something stupid close to that. <laughs> Like, no, you switch the D and the N, and they're not supposed to be like that. It sounds exactly the same, though, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's not like I'm going to say, you know, the guy I meet Steve for the first time. I'm not going to call the guy I meet Stevie when I meet him the first time. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not right off the bat. <laughs> but when it's, a, when it's a normal shortening of the name, like Andrew, I'll always go for Andy right away. That's that's natural. When I, I get corrected, I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were going someplace, and now maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so, for for those of you that don't know, Jim, Jim is well. That's well. That's I know, I know you're a barista. I am. That, yep. That's so you're a barista at, at Joe Bean Coffee. Yes, sir. What else would you call yourself there? Uh, I believe my uh, actual title is. Head purchaser of beer and wine. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I got that a little while ago. That sounds awfully uh, awfully uh, official. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they were going for that, like, extra official type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
I always tell people I, I just I buy the stuff. That's yeah. my I buy the stuff. I set up the programs. Um, anytime there's an event that's happening there that needs uh, a focus on something beer and wine, I pretty much take care of all that. Um, I, and I try and do my best to get everyone trained. Um, but in a place where everybody works eight hour shifts and you're letting one person off who puts you on, it's it's hard to get uh, that full contact. But I do my best. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go into coffee a little bit, but first, um, since Jim is one of the, um, one of the, I don't know what, I'm going to call you a beer expert today. That, that would be extremely generous of you. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll at least call you a, a beer aficionado and one of the people who's helped me learn about beer. I do love drinking beer. Yeah. I, I will admit to that. And that, that has definitely uh, worn off on me <laughs> and you've helped me learn a lot. So, uh, one of the reasons I invited uh, Jim here today, so we can, uh, we're going to taste a few beers and do a little bit of running commentary. So don't be surprised if we have a couple breaks here and there where we stop, go grab something out of the fridge, and talk for a while about beer and coffee and probably some delicious food and things. So uh, what's what's this first one that we have in front of us, Jim? Uh, I went and I picked up a uh, Crooked Stave, uh, and this is the uh, St. Breda. It's a citrus wild beer, and... Um, Looks like they are doing an all oak fermentation, and uh, it's brewed. Oh, it's brewed with Brettanomyces, um, so it's got a wild yeast fermentation, which gives it that okay. extra funky, sour, earthy tartness mm. that's going on in there. Um, and it is brewed with citrus. I'm just looking to see if they're going to specify what kind of citrus there. I was thinking uh, like a tangerine or so- something like that. Oh, yeah. It was right in front of me, and I just assumed I was reading something else. Uh, yeah, it's uh, seasonal citrus, golden nugget, uh, mandarins. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you can definitely you get that juicy, citrusy kind of thing going mm-hmm. on there. And it um, doesn't, you know, sometimes when, and something I definitely want to talk about a little bit is tasting. Mm. Um, because you say citrus, it has a citrus, but I think the hardest thing for a new taster to do is to start to define citrus. I mean, this one's pretty obvious, right? right. but it doesn't have the sweetness that you're used to with a citrus or that harsh acidity. So it's getting that, the spirit of citrus without all the things you necessarily think of as citrus. Right. It's, it's definitely citrus, but a little bit different. Right. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, my tasting training started at Joe Bean. Um, when I started just, just learning about coffee, just diving in, you know, head first and hoping that the rest of me would catch up. Um, (laughs) uh, you know, we were actually originally, uh, scheduled to do coffee cuppings, which is like the professional's way of tasting coffee, um, you, you basically, you brew in a small cup and, uh, everything is timed out. Everything's exactly the same. So you're always doing the same measurements, the same water temperature, uh, the same amount of time for brewing. Uh, you smell it dry, you wet it, you smell it wet. You get this like crust on top that forms of the coffee grounds. And at four minutes, you break that with a spoon and you smell, you stick your nose right in there when you break it. Cause the aromas that escape when you break that crust is massive, and it's really um, easy to get your nose wet. Oh my god! It's, 
Like especially especially brown, brown nosing and coffee is a much different term than anywhere else. <laughs> well, especially when you're like Jim and I, it's it's a little bit easier <laughs> to get our noses into things. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> big uh, bird beak that I've got going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so you know, we do we would do that. Uh, I would do it about three times a week usually, um, and just just normal coffees. Everything that we were serving, we were cupping, and the idea was that if you're serving it. And you're having a group of people come in that are maybe unused to waiting five minutes for a cup of coffee and then getting something that's really different from what they're used to. Um, you know, maybe you can help them describe what you've tasted. And then this is going to help you describe what you've tasted because you're sort of making that a bigger experience for yourself. Um, and yeah, I going back and looking at my notes from that first year, it's a little embarrassing to be like, oh, yeah, I said every coffee had toast and honey and vanilla in it. And I go back and like maybe two of those coffees actually had that. And what I was smelling was actually like maybe something that was a little bit on the sweeter side, but maybe not honey or maybe not vanilla. It was just a softer aroma. And it was really more along the lines of like a citrus and a grain mixed together. And I wasn't able to pull them apart. Uh, you know, I was picking it all up, but I was associating it with different things. As it turns out, the two halves of your brain, the one that tastes things and the one that describes things, they don't work together super well. <laughs> yeah, and mine even less so. Yeah, and, and a big part of tasting is just learning how to articulate it, and that's that's actually what people have the most the most problems with. People say, my palate's not sharp. It's, uh, it's probably not true. You just need to learn how to tell your brain that when it tastes something, it's how, how, to, how to describe that flavor and how to connect it back into where you've tasted it before. Yeah, I'm much better at correlating, um, correlating the flavors to food flavors. Mm, yeah. Because obviously that's where I've had more training and more, more experience. Right, right. Um, but I think that that's, you're right, that subtlety... When I when I taste coffee from what's essentially where you were in your first year, because that's I yeah. only have coffee every so often. Yeah. And trying to discern those flavors without cupping, you know, three, four, five times a week. Yeah. Is yeah. really difficult. And cupping like really like takes those coffee flavors and like blows them up too. You have a much higher sensitivity <clears throat> to all of those coffee uh, flavors during a cupping, whereas if you just have like a giant mug and you're slurping it down. You're not paying as much attention because you're slurping it down, right? That's sort of the point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but the point of the cupping is to keep you from doing that, to slow you down, to make you just taste little spoonfuls at a time, to really try and work aromas up into the olfactory bulb, uh, part of your, your, your most sensitive taste organ, really, um, up above your nose there. And, and, you know, it's just it's one of those sort of slow down, taste it, describe it, and then do it every week. And then eventually you get a lot better at it. Um, and so I was luckily able to do that before I even took the dive into beer and wine. And uh, boy, like wine, I'd probably still be just entirely worthless if I didn't start <laughs> in coffee, you know, and have all that tasting and describing experience beforehand. Right, because it really does correlate like uh, in a lot of 100%. ways. 100%. Yeah, all uh, straight on through. The, <laughs> someone describes how to, how to taste coffee. Uh, if you asked someone in another room to describe how to taste wine and then played them side by side, it'd be exactly the same. I mean, it just would, you know. Even swirling coffee in a glass increases aromatics. I mean, just like it does with wine. Mm -hmm. It comes right down to it. And, and, you know, a lot of times you're working with different flavors, 
but gosh, I've had I've had wine that tastes like coffee and chocolate and yeasty warm grains, and that's exactly what I get out of a lot of uh, coffees. Hmm. So, you know, that, that's that's how it goes. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. So we're gonna have another drink of this. Uh... I just, I really, really love these sour beers. Yeah, because it's it's sour in a in a very approachable way. Right. Yeah, uh, and I think I don't know. Uh, this might be less approachable, I think, than uh, a lot of sours I've had. I've had some that are much easier, a little more approachable, much less complex. I've had in sours. Yeah, you know, I think I think I'm just very comfortable with sour flavors. Okay. With sour and acidity, and I, I like that. Yeah. So, for those out there that would want to try a sour beer for the first time, what would be what would be a good starter? I mean, I know where I started, mm. and that was the, at the Anderson Valley uh, Blood Orange uh, Gozo, which I, I loved. Uh, I think that's a perfect place to start for a lot of people. Um, I think there's maybe one easier if you go with Ithaca Cruiser, mm-hmm. which is a uh, it's a Berliner Weiss, uh, which is a wheat beer that's been. Uh, I believe that's a top fermented wheat beer that is just, it's brewed sour. Uh, a real old German style of brewing a, a wild fermented wheat beer. Uh, wheat beers are typically a little bit sweeter, a little bit softer in body. Um, they typically have like little bits of like spice flavors, uh, nutmeg, coriander. Um, sometimes you get like banana. Sometimes, you know, you get a little bit of fruitiness in there, but not always. A lot of people say that they can detect lemon in wheat beers. Um, and a lot of people argue that that's impossible. So <laughs> that's like a, a, a thing. I, I, I always feel like there's a little, a little bit of lemon in there. So, yeah. you know, whatever. So um, what, what's your, I mean, I'm going to oversimplify. And what's, what's the larger wheat beer that people may be familiar with? That I mean, at least is approachable. So sure, yeah. Uh, what's the most popular wheat beer? Uh, Trogue's Dreamweaver, mm-hmm. um, I think, is like not only like pretty available, but like one of the top of the line American wheat beers out there that you can find a lot of places. Uh, what else is um, any of the German like wit beer, uh, Weiss beer type stuff is usually. You know, that's what you're looking at. Um, I'm, I'm not pulling up the big names right now. Yeah, but it's them, the thing. I mean, they'll yeah. almost always say on the bottle or on, oh, the, yeah. on the can what's what style it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's going to be our generic advice today is if you're looking for something, I mean, it, it, try something a little bit different. Try something a little out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah, all um, the time. If, you know, if it says, if it's a brand you may have recognized and you're not into the craft thing, edge away a little bit. You know, we're not we're not going for shock top when it comes to wheat beer. Right. Today. Yes. I didn't um, want to bring up shock top. I, I know. It's, I, I, I'm throwing <laughs> out there for something. You see it. It says wheat. Not that. It is a wheat beer. Uh, it, I'm sure it is. It's it, also got oranges added to it. Sure. It's, uh, a blue moon is like technically that's a it's a wheat right. beer, which is a Belgian white, which is with a lot of wheat in it, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and uh, actually, you know, like, thank God for for uh, Blue Moon, because without that, I think, like, you know, maybe like 30 to 50 percent of people who drink craft beer now wouldn't if it wasn't for it. That's true. There's um, a lot of introductory. It's, it is right on the front line, you know, it really is. I, and I'm not saying that I love it or enjoy it, and I came to craft beer 
without it. I actually tried it before I knew what craft beer was and I wasn't <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> um, but, you know, I tried Newcastle and I, I liked an English brown ale and I was like, oh, this is so much better than Labatt Blue. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, man, who would have guessed? Why do people drink so much Labatt when this is right next to it, you know? Right. Um, and then from there, I think I dove right into Arrogant Bastard, which pretty much dictated the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> What one way or another, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, an aptly named beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna take a step back and go back to where you work. Um, and a lot of a lot of people know this. If you know, if you know me and you're listening, um, Joe Bean Coffee is basically my second home. It's my home away from home. Um, That's that is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I want. Jim, to give a quick description of the place. I mean, if you haven't been, it's hard to believe if you're listening to this, you haven't been to Joe Bean Coffee, but... Yeah, where if you, have you been? <laughs> but if, if you haven't, um, try, try and give a description of what Joe Bean is right now. It's always evolving, but... Yeah, uh, it is a very uh, slow, clear, determined evolution. Um, Joe Bean started off four years ago... Um, as just a coffee bar slash roastery. Um, and we went with coffee bar before we served any alcohol at all because they wanted a bar community. They wanted people that would come in, sit, put their feet up on a rail, order a coffee, and talk to the person next to them. They didn't want a coffee shop where you'd come in, bury yourself in a couch with a laptop and a to-go cup, even though you were sitting inside, <laughs> uh, and drinking coffee and not talking to anyone. The idea was to build community uh, and to sort of to build a community that would start there, but then also kind of move out into the rest of Rochester, right? Like uh, coffee is beautiful and tasty and functional, <laughs> you know? Uh, and for some of us, nothing would ever get done. I, God, without two cups of coffee, I can't do anything. I'm going to assume you've built up a bit of a tolerance though. Uh, yeah probably but still <laughs> it's two or nothing gets done <laughs> it's it's been that way for a long time <laughs> we'll say that um so yeah so it's it is all those things but to build up a community that would uh be friendly and talk to new people and learn new things and talk through ideas um there at joe bean which happens a lot um and there are some people uh, like you and a few other guys that come in almost every day that just jump into other people's conversations. And it's it's like you're making my job easier for me, right? Because <laughs> if you meet someone at the bar who's friendly and nice and informed and talks about something cool, uh, you know, your whole experience at that place is going to be better. And I didn't even have to do anything, right? Like all I all I did was like sit back and be like, oh, I'm going to let this go now, you know? Um, and so it's great when we get people like that in there. Um, and it's great. I've actually asked people to talk to you about things. I mean, like, oh, you know who you should talk to about that? This guy knows all kinds of restaurants all around town. Yeah. Let's go talk to him real quick. And then they meet you that way. Oh, it's um, been a blast. I mean, that's, yeah. I, it's one of my favorite things about the place is I always have something to interject because because I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> but it's also it's because it has that environment for me. Yeah. I think that's yeah. one of the reasons I've loved going there. I've met so many cool people from all sorts of walks of life. Oh yeah. People that I you know probably wouldn't have talked to before. Oh yeah. Definitely. And then there's guys that I'm like, oh, like this is this is like this is my like this is one of my guys yes. right away. Yeah. Like, I 
it's hard when uh, I think it was uh, David Lane when I made him met him the first time. Like, oh, we're going to be good friends. Yeah, like starting tonight. Yeah, like immediately. Yeah, when you start talking to David, it's he's such a he's such a like I I don't know. He's like a man's man, right? Like he's very, much very so. like like he dresses really well. He likes cigars. He comes in. He does a shot of espresso and drinks a beer. Yeah. Uh, but like also he's he's an artist. You know he can draw. He's a photography teacher. So uh, and then his he has a whole side business. It's in just the most incredible handcrafted leather. And yeah, he might be the only person in Rochester doing that. And be- beautiful stuff. Incredible. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna throw in a plug just because uh, David Lane. Just search for David Lane Leather Rochester and you'll find him. Uh, we were looking at some of his watch bands the other day. They're just beautiful craftsmanship. I need to buy a watch so I can get one of those watch bands. That's yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel bad. I really want to just say, you know, it's 2015 and nobody wears a watch anymore. Oh man! But I love a damn, watch. Damn, it looks though. good. It is yeah. beautiful. I have a watch and I wore it for a year until I broke a very small, not very functional piece on it. Um, but it's an outside piece with a hinge and a pin fell out of it. Mm. So if I wear it, it still tells time. It works fine, you know, but I will really bang up that hinge if I wear it without the pin. Right. Um, I th- I personally, I have to say, I think wearing a watch and checking your time on your wrist instead of pulling a cell phone out and lighting your entire face up, um, I think that's way less rude. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think that's like a real classy move to be like, yeah, what's going on? Let me check the time. All right, let's keep talking. Let's say, you know, instead of pulling something out that also has Facebook and email and God knows Instagram and all that other crap that just, yeah. like, once someone pulls their phone out, there's no telling if they're interested in you anymore. <laughs> no, it, it is hard. You know? And for, for someone that I know appreciates, you know, a good conversation, I know I get sucked into it sometimes. Right. It's oh, difficult. Yeah. I mean, everybody does. Oh, pictures, man. Yeah. <laughs> pictures and videos and words. Shiny things all over the place. It's I'm, distracting. It, yeah. it really is. And I, I love conversations, but sometimes I, it's hard to help yourself. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'm sure you see it all the time. Uh, it, it's embarrassing how much <laughs> you see those first dates that come in and they go and they get their cups of coffee and then they go sit at a table and then they both just pull out phones and don't talk oh. to each other. And you're just, uh, it's every day. You see that every day in a coffee shop, oh. you know, and it's just like, That's Oh terrible. man, put those things away. Like, yeah. Both, I mean, like I've both... been married for a year. I mean, I, I, that's, you know, I, I'll pull out the cell phone anywhere I go. Right. <laughs> but yeah, cause it's, you know, married for a year. It's you know, yeah. you know, all done. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't need to be interesting anymore. You're stuck with me. <laughs> But I mean, it's I, I do I find myself feeling bad. I'm like, oh, I I really shouldn't be doing that right now. Yeah, yeah. Because there's there's interesting stuff around you. Um. Yeah, so I think that's a good description of the place. I mean, it, yeah. And so, in addition to the to the coffee, now there's also uh, a strong beer program, a yep. a wine program. Yep. And uh, on and off classes through the winter time, and not as much during the summer, but. Yeah, we we sort of play around with classes in the summer. We usually do like one-off classes, like, "Hey, we're doing this this one week. Sign up now, or it's gone forever." And yeah, uh, we did history of beverages. Um, we did a coffee, a tea, a beer, and a wine uh, over the summer. All um, right, the tea one you brought in uh, the Happy Earth, Happy Earth tea. Oh I, my I, gosh, I forget the guy's name, but he's 
I've been instructed that I've never said his name correctly, so I'm not going to go and do it (laughs) on a recording and feel terrible forever about not saying his name correctly. Um, But he is probably the nicest uh, person I've ever come in contact with. He's just so well-informed and just very, uh, I don't know, quiet and sweet and kind of gentle and seems pretty contemplative too yeah he really cares about what he's doing oh my gosh he goes to origin he he goes and inspects farms before he buys Does tea he really? from him yeah wow yeah we had a conversation about chinese tea and he says yeah it's really hard to find tea that hasn't been sprayed with pesticides from china because and in, in china they still look at pesticides as plant medicine yeah and it's yeah it's just why wouldn't you put that on something he goes because you're gonna put it in your body afterwards you don't want those if it kills bugs it's bad for you right like um so he he has a hard time but he finds them and he brings them in and wow and they're you know a little more expensive but god damn are they tasty yeah (laughs) and it's and it's another one of those instances where oh we have a local expert in rochester yeah and if you're not supporting these local experts because you know it's I think I heard it on uh, another podcast, the, the Buffalo uh, Buffalo Food Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Grain of Salt. And I think it was one of the chefs, might have been Ed Forrester from Buffalo Proper. Okay. I think he said, you know, it's great to support local, but it has to be good. It has to be good. Yeah. It has to be good first. And then you really should be supporting local. Yeah. If it's good. Yeah. That's... If it's not good, it's hard to support. Yeah. But when it is a great product, like what, like what he's doing over at Happy Earth or what you guys are doing for coffee, it's kind of dumb not to support. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, when it comes down to, like, agricultural things, especially things that are coming from, like, other countries, it it, it makes sense to go with people who are putting a lot of work into it because they're often the people who aren't hiring slaves to, yeah. to do stuff, you know? I mean, I mean the, the realistic... Uh, people talk bad about, like, Starbucks and cheap coffee and... Uh, they they think that like like Joe Bean baristas are are too snobbish to get coffee at those places, but when when it comes down to the reality of where that coffee's coming from, it's hard to not feel guilty, uh, r- regardless of palate and any of that stuff. It's just like, you know, you're sort of stealing from people that are trying to just feed their kids and make it through life, and that gets that gets tough. Um, and, and you know, I don't know. You travel and you have to do what you have to do, right? To not drive off the road or stuff, but a lot of my caffeine consumption on the road is turned into like sugar-free monster, which I don't know is too much better for me, <laughs> but you know, I, at least I don't feel like slaves are making it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's and it's tough because it's what what once you've once you've adapted yourself to um I don't know what I think that's that's a good thing to bring up now while we're here. Uh what what do we call this kind of coffee? I, it's I I still struggle with that. I mean, I know colloquially it's third wave coffee. Yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, third wave is sort of tossed around, and uh, too much debate for me. Is, yeah, uh, has gone into the third wave thing. Um, so I, I don't like to use the term personally. Right. Um, y- you can get some really weird, not great third wave. Mm-hmm. You know, air quotes. Uh, coffee out there and you can get some really amazing now people are starting to talk about a fourth wave i've who cares yeah it's it's all just people trying to make a movement out of something they're doing to push business and stuff and that's fine um 
And and I, you know, I love categorizing things like every other God fearing American. You know, yeah. <laughs> we all need a term and a you know need to know what generation we were born in and <laughs> all the special names for everything. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we have to we have to do that, and that's fine. I don't care. Um, I think specialty coffee co- covers it a little bit better because you're not just it's not centered around a brew method. It's really centered around the farms where you're buying coffee. And you know we we can't we can't shine a turd until it's shiny, right? Right. It's, you can't do that. So you need your farmers to really be putting in a lot of extra work and growing something that's worth roasting and worth holding on to and worth brewing in a nicer way. And if they're not doing that, if they're low altitude, if they're using pesticides, um, if they're not having picking control, coffee doesn't ripen like grapes do. Grapes all ripen at the exact same time which is like we had a conversation about people picking grapes and pressing them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. And it's insane. They don't sleep for 24 hours, at least That's sometimes, because stuff, yeah. those grapes have to come off the vine all at once, all together, and they have to get pressed right then. There's, you don't have time. It, once they're ripe, once they hit that prime spot to make good wine, you got to go. Uh, and coffee is not like that. Coffee is every day a different berry on that tree turns ripe, and that's when you have to pick it. Wow. <laughs> so you have to pay people who are in these third world countries to put a basket on their back and go out into these trees and pick only the red cherries. And most places are paying them by the pound. So they, they don't pick just the red ones. They pick everything. Sure. Because that's what they're getting paid to do, right? Yeah, incentives. So it's, it's hard to find a farm that's willing to say, look, don't bring me green stuff. Only red will pay you by the hour. So then they have to go and they have to charge me more to buy the coffee. Uh, but then when it comes down to it, that's way tastier, right? Underripe coffee tastes like grass and peanut butter, or not even peanut butter, just like uncooked peanuts, like raw peanut, yeah, yeah. peanut shell a lot of times, grass. Huh. Oh, I made the mistake of brewing Folgers with a hand brew method once. Did you really? Just, oh, it was bad. It was just, <laughs> it was like if you took like, a weed whacker and like just whacked a bunch of stuff into a pot <laughs> and, and then just like stepped like barefoot stepped on some peanuts and then threw water in there and then strained most of it out and that sounds pretty drinking. appetizing it was yeah. bad oh my gosh and none of those flavors come through with your mr coffee right right brew a mr coffee and you're like yeah it's coffee throw cream and sugar in it we're good to go right boy you really pull those flavors out with a nice hand brew <laughs> method and nice, boy properly, are you sorry nice <laughs> A nice properly timed hand brew method, (laughs) artfully prepared, served in proper glassware. Yes, yeah, I did all that, and that was a huge mistake. (laughs) I will not do that again. (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, I think we're going to take our first break at the 29-minute mark and change, and we're going to go to our next beer-tasting selection. Oh, excellent. So stay tuned for more. back uh so we walked over to the fridge and it looks like we decided on 
What did we decide on there, Jim? Barrel-aged framing hammer. So this is from the Jack's Abbey Brewery, which is in Massachusetts, I believe. Yes, sir. That's the yes. official name of the state. Yes. We actually, uh, before we came on here, we went over to uh, Nathaniel's Corner Store in the Southwedge. Yep. And we tried a couple Jack Abbeys there. Yeah, we did. Which some pretty tasty stuff. So good. They have their uh, Oktoberfest right now. Yeah, yeah. And we had the... Uh, what's that? What's the what's the the ham one called? Fire in the ham. Fire yeah. in the ham was smoked lager. Oh, smoked, so which good, really tasty. I I don't know if you agree with me, but every time I have that, I think of like like diner uh, Canadian bacon. Oh yeah, it's like very, right very on much. a pile of eggs. That's what that beer smells yeah, like. Yeah, oh, it makes you hungry every time you drink it. It's really good. And I know everyone who's like listening to this just got really grossed out that that's like a flavor <laughs> in beer. But <laughs> shut up and try it because it's so good. Really tasty. <laughs> and then we, uh, what was the last one? Was there triple I- IPL? Yes, triple. Oh, yes, man. triple. 10% triple I- uh, Indian pale lager. Yeah. Uh, so they basically take like a like an IPA and they ferment it with, uh, with bottom fermented uh, lager yeast and do a very controlled cold temperature uh, uh, fermentation. Which gives you some really high clarity of flavor, uh, really clean finish on all their beers. Uh, everything they do actually is a lager. So this Baltic Porter is is like a dark, creamy, stout-looking beer, but it's been lagered. So, so counts. yeah, that's what we're gonna drink. And this is uh, this is a beer I grabbed in Vermont when I was there in July. And this this is one of those beers that you can actually store, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this this looks like it was bottled on three twenty three twenty fifteen. So it's a uh, it's a little bit older, but ten uh, percent Baltic Porter is it's not going to go bad on you quickly. Going to pour no. it us here. Boy, there it is. Yep, pours like motor oil. Oh yes, it does. <laughs> it looks like a. Yeah, it looks very thick. You know, it's got a rich, like the head isn't a ton, but it's very thick. Yeah. Very dense. Yeah, dark tan. Yeah, it's a, it is a very dark beer. You put it up to the light, it, nothing gets through it. No. No, nothing gets through. That sort of khaki color tan, dark tan head on that. Oh, yeah. Super dark. Yeah. I just, I love uh, Baltic Porters. Cheers, Cheers. sir. Oh, yeah. Every bit as good as when I had this when mm. it was fresh. <laughs> that is delicious. Oh, it's sweet. It's sweet, but it's sweet, but it's not like, it's not terrible no. for sweetness. No, it's like a really dark molasses sweetness. Yeah, like dark molasses or it definitely compares to like a, you know, a 75, even more like an 80 or 85% dark chocolate. Right, yeah. It has a lot of chocolate in it. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's, you know, the super dark chocolate flavors so i wouldn't even call it 75 because that's too sweet but it's mm, man it's big that is is big it's big this is this is the beer that gets everyone talking a little bit looser if i say something terrible i'm sorry (laughs) 10 percent, beautiful (laughs) and the crazy thing is we've got another in the fridge that's a coffee based one yes so we're gonna see if we get to that yeah see what that's like yeah see what that's like and We'll kind of see, kind of see where we're going from there. <laughs> so, 
I think one of the, one of the things I wanted to bring up. So we're gonna go a touch off of food and drink for a second. So Jim is the member of one of the more prominent families in Rochester. Uh, the 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 Lake Clan, I believe, as they're called. <laughs> you, you make that sound like we're connected. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess it's because I run in the in the food and drink circles, but. They're everywhere. Yeah, we sort of are. I, I'm the oldest of six kids, and my my dad recently retired and now visits all of his kids at the various bars and restaurants and stuff that we work at. So, so my mom and dad end up out late at night at places like Cheshire, <laughs> at like ten thirty at night on a Monday night. It's a terrible existence for, for them, I'm sure. For industry night when all the bartenders are out, <laughs> and then you know they've got two bartender kids, so they're out hanging out with their kids. That's so yeah. So we 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 have a presence. We are definitely out and about. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got to be a little bit interesting when all almost all your siblings are food service and differently related to this business aren't they yeah or like in most. and out yeah. in and out you know my little sister has worked at uh java's and poor and fuego um <laughs> and and now is a massage therapist so Obviously. so she's, she's she's not really in that anymore but massage therapists don't hold normal hours so she still goes to all of those places of course she even worked for two weeks at the revelry um I, you know i mean we we just we get around. My two of my brothers have also worked at Java's. Um, well, Pete is now at Boulder at the moment. Uh, Boulder Coffee. Um, he's an artist. My brother John has worked at Cure. Uh, he's worked at Java's. I don't even know what the hell he's doing now. The kid is everywhere. But he he just got his master's in photography. Does a lot of art stuff all over town. Um, you know, connected. They get out. They do stuff. They see. I told you do they were art connected. for people. <laughs> Con- connected to like places that caffeinate them. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one of the one of the reasons. You know, we when we started talking for a while, one of the reasons we connected. Um, both of our wives are art are art driven people, and it's it's a interesting existence to be around. It is different. Yeah, especially if you're not at all artistic, like me and me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade, and I, I'm I write, but I'm not a writer. I I, I struggle through it all oh, the yeah. time. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> it, it's really difficult, and how naturally it comes to my wife. Oh gosh, and she doesn't write at all. Yeah, other than like you know Facebook and Instagram posts. Yeah, oh yeah, it's just so natural. Oh, it's terrible. Me and my wife, uh, when we were uh, recently engaged, we. We took a college course together. Uh, it was modern poetry. Ooh. Had to read a lot of poetry and then write papers on them. Um, I believe she wrote all of her papers three hours before class. Oh, my God. And got A's just straight <laughs> on through. I wrote all of my papers two weeks in advance and then rewrote them and then threw that out and started over and rewrote <laughs> it again. And I consecutively got C's. Um, uh, like I was, I had like the thesauruses and dictionary. Like I just, I referenced everything and just, she'd like wake up that morning and be like, oh, better write this paper. It's due today. And oh. she'd just crush me, right? That's <laughs> unfortunate. It really I, is. And like, I don't know. I was, I'm lucky to have married someone who's way smarter than me, basically. <laughs> Something happens. I'm like, oh, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> I need an adult. <laughs> but I, I do have to say the, the whole the the difference between it, it is very pronounced 
and I never thought it would work out that way, but you know, she's an artist through and through and yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant, it's always a battle. Yeah. Yeah. One oh. way or another, fighting against the art, fighting oh. against you know, real <laughs> life. It's yeah. Cause it, it's always a fight somewhere or another because that uh-huh. whole art thing, it, it, it sucks you in. It does. It sucks you in. It's, it's a lot of drama sometimes. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's really sometimes supportive it's and helpful yeah. and wonderful and, uh, yeah, I, Instagram tends to be a really supportive community, which I'm surprised of because it's it is on the internet. Yeah, it, it is a weird thing. It is on the internet. Um, and uh, my 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 experiences with the internet have been that it is a very unfriendly place. <laughs> There's a lot of meanness on the internet. I've seen it. Uh, but I don't know, my wife tends to just get a lot of support there. Um, so that's been that's been really nice. Um, I've been really happy Instagram came along. Yeah. And it's it's good for me too. I mean, I I I find it is a very You're right. It's it's a community building place because everybody loves pictures. I think it puts everybody in a good mood. Oh, yeah. Cuz it's just picture after picture after picture and people try and do something interesting at least. Oh, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, and it's a it's a great I don't know. I find it way more interesting than Facebook where people just write little blurbs about things um i'm still trying to figure out twitter i just i just reactivated <laughs> my twitter account that i made like four years ago today because i was like i it seems like a lot of smart people use twitter and i wish i was smart so i'm gonna use it too <laughs> um, I, I, i've i found it's a bit it, it's generational yeah. to a point because uh, facebook nobody who's young uses facebook anymore it's true yeah um twitter still has some crossover but it's more the you know mid twenties to thirties, yeah. Mostly well educated. Uh, a lot of a lot of smart people use Twitter because it it, it does force you into a, a format, right? And it's a lot of you know people trying to do something in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, and I what I noticed about about Twitter today is you can just kind of like reach out to everyone who's on there who's like connected to you and be like, hey, what do you guys think about this? What's going on with that? Hey, am I am I dumb? Have I never heard of this before? Does anyone know what's going on with it? And people will just immediately respond, oh, um, yeah. which you don't get in any other form of social media, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, it is super fast. Plus, now it's got Periscope, so that's super cool. Yeah, Periscope. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was a, it what, what was it? Friday night? Uh, yeah, I think it was Friday night. It was Friday night. Um, Chris Clemens and I, Chris Clemens, who's been on the podcast a couple times on from uh, exploringupstate.com. We were there annoying everybody with periscoping about the uh, city newspaper best of list. Oh, I loved it. It was great. It was fun. Yeah, it was super fun. We, I, we, we were a little bit snarky. I, I, I like, yeah, that's what I think the best of Rochester deserves is a little bit of snark, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, I don't we, think we, there's we, anything wrong with that. <laughs> we, we were a little bit snarky and we were, we were periscoping to very few people. But you know what? It's sometimes it's fun to do stuff like that. Uh, you know, for my first experience, periscoping that was awesome you yeah. know i was at work i was brewing coffee we were all arguing about the various merits of rochester-based bagels yeah and we were definitely arguing about that yeah there was some bagel arguments going on and we Pretty got harsh. people in indonesia in, engaged in listening and wanting to know why bagel land is better you know <laughs> damn I, I it do, we I, told them <laughs> I, I do have strong feelings i, I do have to say <laughs> Um, I, I literally voted for bagel because that was just the last place I got bagel. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was for me. <laughs> it, it, it's 
it's weird. Sometimes I'm I'm ambivalent, but it's not that often. Most of the time, I usually have a pretty strong opinion about things. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, I think that's good. I, I think, think it's yeah. more fun that way a lot of times. Yeah, and you find out how other people feel if you have a strong opinion. Absolutely. And Which think, if you don't, you don't find out. Well, I, I think it's, I find it more interesting if you do have a strong opinion. You're right. It does bring out other people's too. Yeah, yeah. And I've definitely noticed that, that, that. I'll get into great conversations because somebody asks a question, I'm like, yeah, it's this, but there's no argument about it. Yeah. And then we'll have an argument about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, there certainly is an argument about that. <laughs> oh, but that's that's fun. Mm. Yeah. All right, I'm going back for another taste of this stuff. There you go. Mm. Oh, man. It's great. The chocolate's there stronger now i think that molasses is lessened out it's warming up a little bit it's definitely the... some plum um mm. some uh some prune maybe some like sweet dried dark fruit kind of yeah. thing hidden in there i do find it very interesting how the flavor profiles change as things warm up oh yeah i mean not only just in beer um, but in cocktails yeah and coffee as well coffee yeah as coffee cools <laughs> down and as wine warms up too, oh yeah, that's what I love about uh, coffee, beer, and wine, especially is there's this like journey through the glass, right? Um, you start with like an ice cold beer, and if you sip it over like you know an hour yeah. as it uh, as you're holding it or picking it up and putting it down, it starts to change temperature. All these different uh, flavors and aromas start to creep out after a while. Um, this uh, the sour that we started first, you know. It was just very citrusy and, and tart and a little bit funky. But by the end, a lot of that like oak characteristic was really coming out, mm-hmm. rounding out the whole flavor, little touches of vanilla, you know, going along. It made it a little bit creamier. And if they hadn't fermented that whole thing in oak that whole way, you know, starting in like oak fooders, moving it to oak barrels, and then putting it in a bottle, man, really? you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's what's super cool about Crooked Stave is they're, they're doing an awesome job. Uh, yeah, we we paid nine fifty for <laughs> what is this twelve ounces? I think. Yeah, uh, they're expensive. You yeah, know? you could um, say that. But a hundred percent oak fermented is that's not a cheap thing, you know. No, certainly not. Um, and so that and that that flavor is complex and it's different and it changed. You know, at first it was just tart and funky and and that, that's kind of weird, especially for beer. Uh, but by the end, man, totally different and still the same and. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that about every beverage that I imbibe. It's <laughs> so much fun that way. So you, I think we're, I'm going to go into how you got started because I, oh, I sure. find it interesting because it's a relatively common story for people who kind of work at, at Joe Bean and some other places. Yeah. So you're, uh, you were a customer before you were a before you were a worker, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a customer on unemployment. Wow! So I went there every day. That That's was, dedication. It was my one indulgence, you know. It's my my three dollar cup of coffee and sit down. And uh, that year for my birthday, I uh, talked my wife into buying myself a whole Hario kind of setup so I could brew like that at home. Um, which was selfish of her to to want as well, because she knew that she was going to wake me up every morning and be like, "Hey, make coffee, go." Hey, 
Hey, hey, you. Do hey. it now. I'm not doing it. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was on unemployment. I was going back to school for a little bit, and uh, <clears throat> she had the job then, so she got to wake me up every morning, be like, "Go coffee." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I did, and and every morning I hated the coffee that I made because it wasn't nearly as good as what I got at Joe Bean. So she'd go to work, and then I'd go to Joe Bean and order a cup of coffee. So I made two at home, one for me, one for her, drank it. I was like, ugh, I suck at this. And then I'd go to <laughs> Joe Bean. I'd be like, find the coffee that I just brewed at home. And if they had it on the menu, I'd order it. And then I'd watch them make it. And then I'd ask them questions about why they were doing everything they were doing. And then I'd drink it and be like, God damn it, that is so much better than what I'm doing. <laughs> and I can't figure it out. It looks like I did all the same stuff. And then I'd go home and find out, oh, I did did do something different from them. And I'd change it. And uh, Eventually, I was doing pretty good. And I went in. And I finally, I think I asked Ben, like, I don't know why, man. I feel like I'm doing just about as good of a job as you guys are doing. But it just doesn't taste as good at home. And he was like, well, what's your water like? And I was like, tap water? And he was like, yeah, that'd probably do it. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so what's the water like here? And he was like, oh, well, we have this, you know, $7,000 water filtration system. <laughs> that It is delicious water. Purifies it down to like, you know, the mega ohm and then blends some minerals back into it to make it a perfect environment for brewing coffee. And I was like, oh, so is that like, could I like buy bottles of that or something? Like, <laughs> he's like, no, not really. And I was like, oh. So if I like distilled it, he's like, that'd be worse. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> so uh, you know. So finally, my wife, uh, my wife, came home one day with too much bottled water, and she woke me up to make her coffee. And I was like, well, put the water on. I'm not getting out of bed until I hear that that water's boiling go downstairs and the water's boiled and I start brewing it and it smells extra good and I finish and I taste the cup and I'm like, wow, that's like, that's it. I nailed it. That's as good as Joe Beans. And I look over and there's like six empty bottles of Fuji water. Oh no. <laughs> oh wow. I'm like, oh, she heated up bottled water. <laughs> uh, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it does, uh, definitely does show a good point that, you know, it's you can be doing all the regular techniques right, but there's so many aspects to doing coffee. Is I think to doing coffee right, ninety eight percent water. Yeah. So if you've got shit water, you've got shit coffee. Yeah, that's pretty just, much. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. No matter what your technique is like, no matter you know, uh, when Joe Bean goes off site, we we bring our water because <laughs> you just you don't know. You know, it's different all over the city, and it's just safer to throw it into a bunch of jugs and bring it and brew from that. But yeah. And we do, we do some decent tap water here. Like oh yeah, for regular drinkability, it's quite good. Oh yeah. And compared to certain places in the nation, <laughs> it's definitely way better for brewing coffee and making beer than, um, than it, in other places. But you know, <laughs> if you're trying to make, if you're trying to, if you're trying to find that last little step that you're not hitting, yeah. it's probably your water. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So and then then you started working and yeah so that was that was just about me like learning to brew right um, yeah. I worked construction and factory jobs my entire life uh, I found myself laid off due to you know how how the whole government was handling money there were a lot of factories laid people off sure um, so I went back to school in that time and. Uh, <clears throat> 
school decided that it wasn't going to cooperate with unemployment and allow me to stay there more than uh, one year oh, uh, before unemployment was going to run out. And I had been planning it. A lot of times unemployment will pick up your degree and say, oh, this is a good degree. It's going to help our economy rebound. We will keep you on unemployment the whole time you go back to school. It's wow. better for everyone. That's a great idea. That's awesome. Uh, apparently, uh, general science doesn't it doesn't fall under those categories that they pick up. Though. It doesn't qualify. Just uh, just science with no uh, yeah. So science ish ish. Yeah yeah. I was gonna I was gonna do psychology. So I was uh, interested in the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was hoping to go for that, but you know I was at MCC and MCC doesn't have a psychology degree, so had to do general science. And, science it is. Yes, and hope that I could transfer it out. And yeah, so yeah, so eventually I went to Joe Bean like I did every day, and uh, <laughs> one of my little brother's friends had a job there at the time. Super cool dude named Diedrich. Um, just, I think that was before my time. Yeah, yeah, Diedrich. Yeah, actually, his uh, younger brother of a very good friend of mine who's my age. Um, named Henrik. They are Swedish. That's a great name. Yes, they are a and actually, family. That is now, I'm not sure if we're ever going to have kids. Right. But I have decided that if it is there is a boy, his name is Henrik. Yeah. H E N R I K. Yeah. Henrik. Henrik. Yeah. Because uh, it's one, it's a great name. Yeah. And two, if you ever decide to shorten it, you can go straight old school American, go to Hank. Yeah. That's, you know, it's a straight man name. Yeah, it is. You want to be a little fancy, you can go Henry. Yeah. Or you can go Rick if you want. Just go straight up Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Or you want to stay fancy and stay, you know, a little, little ethnic, go Henrik. Yeah. Plenty of options. Yeah. Beautiful name. Yeah, it's a great name. Great name. Awesome artist, actually. Yeah. He's a phenomenal artist. Furniture and paintings and just <clears throat> spectacular stuff. He lives out of state now, mm. which is sad because he's probably the most encouraging person to hang out with uh <laughs> everything he says and does is just like you're a good person you 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 do such awesome stuff everything you do is incredible and you're like wow i feel awesome about myself i'm not sure i, I might feel Man. worse oh it's i might feel just, worse about myself because that'd be too much it's just so genuine from him you know that you just can't help but be like yeah you know that is nice yeah it's great you know positive real positive reinforcement yeah if yeah. there's nothing nothing quite like it was, yeah, random. It was like a random. I think it was this last Saturday. I was out somewhere and just talking to Carrie, my wife Carrie, and um, somebody recognized my voice from the podcast out, and I'd never met them before. Wow! And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm like, damn. I don't. I mean, I, I have a distinctive voice, so I understand how it's possible, but still, like. I don't expect that. I've, it's still you know, kind of cool. That is that is pretty impressive, actually. I've been thinking a lot because I only just started listening to podcasts maybe a month ago. Yeah, uh, and I've been listening to a lot of like beer ones recently, and I've I've thought like if I go to a beer event and I hear this guy talking across the room, am I going to recognize him? Like at this point, I've spent hours listening to this voice, right? Yeah, but I, but I can't say that I would. I might. I don't know. I've never been in that situation where sure. you hear it and you're like, I know this person. <laughs> I've had that with people I work with, um, <laughs> but that's different because it's not It's not a recording, you know? It's, I don't know. Ah, I don't know. It, it can be interesting, and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts just on a regular basis, and I think when I, when I meet people in person that have listened to their podcasts, uh, well, oftentimes it was like, 
um, stand-up comedians. So, you know, I would be at... Mm, yeah. uh, <laughs> at the comedy club and meet a comedian who I'd either seen before or not, but I'd listen to their podcast. So you're you're more familiar with them as a person yep. Yep. than you would be if you just listened to their stand-up comedy. Sure, yeah. Because it's more time to... More time to you know, go into deeper topics to explore things more. And I think one of the reasons why I love the podcast world is because you can you can take your time a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's not, and you know, it's nothing against you know commercial radio where everything's a little faster, but you have the time to slow down a little bit and just really enjoy getting to know somebody almost it's over a, the radio. It's definitely. Not as scripted, right? Yeah. yeah. You get to have a natural conversation. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it is beneficial to have some questions set up ahead sure. of time. Sure. But there's nothing like sitting down with somebody that you know you can talk to for a while. Yeah. Like, I didn't plan on any questions before we started today. <laughs> but I kind of got the feeling over the, I'm not going to exaggerate, but Likely hundreds of hours we've sat at Joe Bean together talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I figured we could probably put together an hour or so of <laughs> of content pretty easily. Yeah, that's quite likely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be a decent chance. Um so let's dive back into beer. I mean, we're we're still Shit. drinking this barrel aged framing hammer, which just delicious. It's fantastic. So I'm going to ask the you know general beer question. What what's the go to right now for styles? What's your what's your favorite style right now? That you're really excited about? Oh man, like um, like uh, a style for something I want all the time, or something that's like a little more special drinking. Like doesn't really matter. I mean, it's an open ended question, so whatever yeah. whatever's grabbing you. Um, I, I just so I just did a road trip to Vermont, um, and so. Double IPAs and farmhouses are like the big things out there right now, right? So du- cool. Double IPAs by like absolutely anyone who brews in Vermont. <clears throat> and then uh, Hill Farmstead is doing some of just the most remarkable beers I've ever tasted. Um, that trip quickly moved Hill Farmstead up to the top of my my brewery list. Um, See, I only had one of them while I was out there. Yeah. And it was really good, but it Probably wasn't... Probably had 12 of them. <laughs> Actually, I didn't talk to you about your Vermont trip. I mean, you, you went out there with your wife on a mini vacation. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like a really cool trip. You had some you had some great food, too, didn't you? Oh, my God, the food. The food out there is... Uh, so I, I had the best meal I've ever had in my entire life out there. Um, and it was the very first day we got there, so it was this whirlwind weekend of my wife doing a, a show at the Clothesline Festival. Which was just a disaster. This it was, year it was a terrible year. It rained the entire time. There were strong yeah. winds. The tent was destroyed. Hardly anyone showed up to a ticketed outdoor arts and crafts event. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it was I a, felt terrible. It was a little disheartening. Uh, she she won a merit award, which is just which is a awesome, wonderful accolade. And it really took what would have been um, probably just a soul crushing defeat and made it. <laughs> kind of a victory yeah, um absolutely. she's like you know been all over the memorial art gallery because of that you know that's, oh, that's a, great a big reward um the director of the memorial art gallery stopped in and said that she he thought her stuff was incredible and 
you know, asked if she might make something special. And she said, like, absolutely, like 100%. Of course, like, so that's cool. what she does is make things special. So, if, yeah, you want something custom, uh, it's done. It's so cool. Um, so that, that all took, like, you know, having very few sales, having a tent destroyed and unusable. And it's the very first time you ever set it up. <laughs> uh, a little frustrating. Um, I would definitely imagine. Yeah. And then, and then we went from that. We went straight home Sunday night. Um, I actually ended up not getting to go home Sunday night. I had to stay in the tent. I had become part of the structure of the tent. <laughs> Which, if, I, if I left the tent, it was likely to fall on top of someone. So A comfortable place to be. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got to stay in a cold, rainy, outdoor place in a chair, making sure the tent didn't fly away or fall collapse on top of someone and then sounds pretty fantastic uh we went straight home where i was had been planning to spend the entire day uh doing a lot of laundry and packing and getting ready for the road trip we were planning on taking at five o'clock the next morning uh but didn't get to do any of that so i did that until one in the morning <laughs> after oh, the show boy. and then i woke up at i slept in i woke up at five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> drove all the way to vermont Got to Vermont. It was raining when we got there. And uh, unpacked our bags of the place we were staying. And then the restaurant we had made reservations at the night before was a 45-minute drive from where we were staying. So we got back in the car and we drove out there. And just like from then on, the whole trip just turned into magic, right? The rain had stopped. The sun was coming up just as it was setting. And all these clouds were like rising off the mountains. And the sun was setting, and so like these golden rays were hitting the mist as they were rising, and everything looked like it was just on fire all around you. Wow. Uh, Like, incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It was so cool. And we get there, and we get there early. So, right next door to the restaurant is the Hotel Vermont, which is a, like, I don't know what you'd call it outside of Vermont, maybe a hipster hotel. uh, Okay. Except, like, fancy and not dingy and disgusting. Like, we won't say it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so you go in, but the, their whole premise is that your experience in Vermont should be focused around beer. So they have an just awesome, awesome beer bar and restaurant right in the hotel. And then they organize trips and tours all around Vermont of breweries. Wow. And will pick you up with a bus right at the door of the, of the hotel, drive you to breweries. They'll hit up two or three in a day in a tour if you want. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, and so then you're just with a group of people who all like beer and who are all staying at this really nice hotel. And like the restaurant and the hotel were super fancy looking. Um, but they like literally are like Vermont is an awesome place for beer, so the hotel is going to focus on beer. So we went there and we asked the bartender where we should be eating and we told him we had reservations next door and he said, "Okay, that's definitely one of the places you should eat." The people who have that restaurant started another place called Doc Pond. He says, brand new, you should eat there. So I heard, all right. And he was like, Prohibition Pig. Yeah, I've um, heard great things about that place. And we were like, oh. And I had heard about Prohibition Pig ages ago, probably through Instagram and all the beer people I follow. Yeah, absolutely. I had no idea it was in Vermont. <laughs> yeah. Not, I would have never looked for it. Um, not that far away from where you were staying either. No, no. It was a 10-minute drive from where we were staying. Oh, It was insane. We, I we, couldn't believe I was that close to it and had no idea. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we missed it because we were we were in the Burlington area when we went up. We just went for a day trip. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, oh, we don't, we don't want to go another half an hour out of our way. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely at least half an hour. But yeah, I mean, there's so many cool restaurants. Jeez. And a lot of them really do focus on the beer side of things because there's so much 
Because you're in just Vermont. Just crazy high-end yeah. beer there. So the thing about food in Vermont is they have uh, like almost obsession with local stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone there just buys their food from the farm down the road because there's a farm down the road. <laughs> that's um, absolutely correct. So that's that's a big help. Um, but also that farm is making insanely good stuff. Uh, the first restaurant we went to was Hen of the Woods. Um, probably one of the fanciest, nicest restaurants I've ever been in. Everything's cooked in a wood fire oven and cast iron pans. Beautiful. Um, insane food. Um, best thing I've ever tasted in my entire life <clears throat> was their that day special appetizer. It was a fresh picked peach that had been grilled and they sprinkled blue cheese and toasted pumpkin seeds on top of it. Super simple. That was it. That was it. And they took all the juices that came out of the out of the the peach and they drizzled it back on top of everything. Uh, and I just like I heard about it and I was like, that doesn't sound like something I would like, but I want to eat it because I have a feeling here this is going to be something that I like. Yeah. Blue cheese was made a couple miles down the road. Oh. And it was the creamiest, sweetest, fruitiest, nuttiest, tangiest thing I've ever tasted all in one bite. It was just, wow, I'm going back there. It's yeah. so good. It, is, and it's a, it really is. I just popped up the menu just to look at it. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful, simple menu. Oh, they have a cheese menu. Yeah. Every farm is in Vermont. And wow, super cool, just like ridiculous cheeses, and they're all they're all just coming from around the around the pond, right? That's like, beautiful. Oh my gosh, so cool. So yeah, cool. you know, it really does play on a lot of the modern small plate things. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, I got the hen of the wood toast, right? Yeah, which which is just a, a thick cut piece of bread, hen of the wood mushrooms, bacon, and a poached egg. Yep, I'm That's, seeing that on the menu. Yeah. That's that's something you you'd probably see almost anywhere, right? Sure. But it was like eating heaven there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the few restaurants I've been in that on my trip to the bathroom, I passed a uh, a really nice mural that was painted on the wall. And oh, like I thought you were going to say something different when you said I passed something. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and then and then also uh, a nice lit up window with half a pig hanging in it. Uh, Beautiful, because they butcher all their own animals. Wow. Yeah. And they had all these handmade sausages hanging next to it. Um, That's fantastic. And I was in a, in a big, like, piece of hard salami that they were aging. Oh. And I was like, oh, I should have ordered the pig. <laughs> I should have I ordered. Can I, can I have what was in the window, please? <laughs> yeah. Just just that, please. Just just one yeah. one of those. That would be. That would be lovely. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, of course, in Rochester, the only place I've seen something like that is McCann's. Oh, um, yeah. Who just is crushing it. Yeah. Uh, as local food goes, that is just tasty. Hard tasty to beat right stuff. now. Oh, my God. Hard to beat what Kevin's doing over there. It's some some uh, brilliant meat work. Yeah. I, I feel like Hen of the Wood is if you like took that and then added like a 40-bottle wine menu, uh, a really gorgeous cocktail menu, and a big wood fire oven yeah and that's Ooh. that's that's kind of where i was eating you know as uh yeah so yeah but so before we take our our probably our last break for this podcast i'm gonna say if you like the wood fired stuff and you like a lot of the local drive oh yeah you should um next time you go out to buffalo you should try going into um 
East Aurora, which uh, it's just just outside of Buffalo. Um, and oh wow, it's gonna oh this is gonna kill me. Um, Elm Street Bakery in East Aurora. Okay. They do everything in the wood fired oven. Yeah. They do pizza. They do a lot of local. Um, it's a really cool place and a lot shorter drive than Vermont. Yes, it is. So, um, <laughs> really cool place. Great baked goods and really interesting menu. So next time you find yourself in uh, Buffalo, and you don't want to be in the city necessarily. Sure, sure. It's um, a short drive for a similar style. Not necessarily exactly the same thing, but kind mm. of the same yeah. same idea. Same idea, it. yeah. The thing about yeah, Vermont really cool. is like that local thing isn't just a gimmick out there, you know? It's just everything that's local is good. It's incredible. It's, it's kind of the fabric of everything though, too. It's yeah. not it's the it's in the food, it's in the beer, it's yeah. in the in the craft stores, it's Yeah. Every every roadside artist sign you see. They're almost all worth stopping at and checking out. They're yeah. all people with talent that love what they're doing. It, it's a really cool place. I, I tell you, going from, from Rochester beer scene to just randomly driving around Vermont and randomly passing like breweries that I've heard people just gush about online for hours, you know? Yeah. And just at like not even looking for it, just driving. I was on my way to a restaurant and I'm like, oh, there's Fiddlehead Brewery. Okay. Yeah, we passed Man. that on our way up towards uh, towards Burlington. Yeah, who would have guessed? You know, Lost Nation. We just drove right past it. Awesome brewery, doing yeah. great stuff, and it really makes you feel like, like you know, their beer scene is getting the support that those brewers need, but those brewers also are really, really putting their heart and soul into everything they're doing. They're not just making a beer and being like, "Good enough, sell it." Vermont will drink anything, you know. I don't think Vermont would drink anything. I think there comes a point where Vermont's like, yeah, that's local, but it's not worth eating. Is it you know? good? Right. Yeah. And I feel like they've, they've really struck that balance, you know? All right. So I think it's a good place to take uh, what is likely our last break. I don't think it will go quite as long the last one, but we need to move on to the last of our, the last of our beers for this evening. And oh. uh, then uh, we'll probably cut this off so we don't go for like two hours. So, well, you know, <laughs> whatever you're into, whatever. <laughs> so, um, time for the second break. Good day. All right, after a second trip to the fridge. Um, and I think we're feeling pretty good right now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing pretty decent. So we've opted for the second barrel-aged framing hammer. I'm just going to read the first uh, four words, four and a half words, whatever you want to call that, on the side of the description. Big, bold, black, barrel-aged. It is all of those things. Yeah, it yeah. sounds pretty much. So while I open this, th this is the coffee, coffee flavored, which not coffee flavored, but actually brewed with coffee in it. Yeah, I believe so. Barrel aged framing hammer. So a different version of what we just had, which is a Baltic porter. So while I'm cracking this open, can you give a little bit of a primer on 
barrel aged beers because I know I've had a few at Joe Bean before. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much most Wait, of the hold time. Hold on one second. Oh. I'm going to try and get a noise. Oh. I think we got at least a little noise. There's a little, there's a little, uh, little hiss in there, a little yeah, sigh. Th- 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 there's, there's not a lot of carbonation in this one. These are, uh, I mean, Baltic porters. <laughs> that was really anticlimactic. So go ahead, Jim. <laughs> All right. So uh, barrel aged beer basically means they do their normal beer brewing process. Uh, they do their their primary fermentation. They get a pretty much. Uh, done product they have a beer that's been brewed and and is, is pretty much beer pretty much up to the point where they add carbonation uh and then they usually in almost all wine uh are uh, barrel aged uh beers what they're doing is they're buying like a lot of people like to do wine barrels or whiskey or bourbon barrels and uh they're sort of trying to get the um flavors from those barrels into the beer. Mm. Um, some places are actually doing like neutral oak and they're they're just pour, pouring the beer in there and then they let it sit. Depending on the beer, depending on the barrel, you let it sit for different amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the longest I've heard is between like nine months and a year that people have let beers uh, age, I, I actually, I think I saw something from Side Project that was saying maybe around 13 months in wow. a barrel. Uh, but that's like a that's like a full that that would be something that's going to be closer to this crooked stave. I think they were doing 100 percent oak fermentation. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then they were putting it into a uh, a barrel and going from there. What do you think? I haven't smelled it yet. Definitely smells like coffee. Yeah, it's got a little bit more a rounder smell, I'd say. Yeah, coffee, milk, smell. chocolate. Oh, it smells great. Oh, okay. Wow, that is so much better than the first time I ever had that beer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's hard for me because, you know, coffee is such a, it's an odd thing. Yeah. Because it's it's a very personal thing. Yep. And it's once you get used to a certain style of coffee is one is is something. Mm. And when you get coffee flavor in a beer like this, it's a completely different coffee flavor. It is. Yes. It's not. Uh, for the most part, I find that coffee flavors in beers. I'm gonna say probably at least ninety percent of coffee beers that i've had have all been like coffee stouts and they've all tasted like there's boiled down diner coffee in them oh um which is for the most part for me is just unacceptable and undrinkable i just i can't i've had too much good coffee i know what it could taste like i've had some really amazing spectacular coffee beers Uh, and i think a lot of that comes from brewers treating coffee like an ingredient um if you're going to make a coffee beer, you really got to make something that's a collaboration with a coffee roaster and not buying an extra ingredient, but but collaborating, having two beverages, blending them together, working with the, the coffee roaster to really make something awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, and all the good coffee beers I've ever had, that's exactly what the roasters say is 
we didn't do this alone. We worked with someone. They helped us out here. That you know, part of this is is them and not us. Um, so I, I think that this is definitely much better than the last. You know, last year was really a stringent like coffee that sat in a diner diner on a uh, burner way oh, too long. Bur- oh yeah, uh, that smell. Yeah. Oh, it was all over the coffee. And this time, which is a shame because just regular framing hammer is just, it might be my favorite Baltic porter I've ever had. Oh, it's very, just it's very good. It's so good. And then the barrel aged ver- version has a little bit of woodiness and some of that bourbon coming out of it. It's so good. And then to take something that is that delicious and add coffee that tastes so bad, it's like. <laughs> Oh man, it's more than just being like, oh, I don't like this drink. It's like heartbreaking, you know. It's like almost personal to me because it's, it's, it was so good, and you ruined it. <laughs> yeah, and I think in this case, it kind of brings out a. It's like a dry coffee flavor yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have any of the juiciness of a of a brewed coffee. Sure. But that that dryness that that dry balance that it brings it's a little more savory. Than the than the regular one, it sort of rounds it out a little bit. I think. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely rounds it out. This I wouldn't say is like the greatest coffee flavor. You know, coffee no, is something that not. ages. So, you know, this is I'm not seeing a bottle date on it right now, but this is probably a few months old. Um, which oh, means for sure. The coffee is probably not as good as it was fresh. Mm. Um, you know, if this is the same batch that I had originally had a few months ago and I hated, maybe that's all it needed was to just sit and take the edge off of that coffee. Um, coffee organic acids add to the flavors in coffee, especially the fruity, beautiful, wonderful tropical things that we get out of coffee these days. Uh, and those break down so quickly. Uh, like in a brewed mm. cup of hot coffee, they they break down in like... How long does it take to cool off? You know, a yeah, lot of times, half an hour, at twenty most. minutes. Yeah. You know, twenty minutes. Those those acids are breaking down. Wow. Um, so to to add coffee to beer, you have to be careful. You have to do it well. Uh, you can't add it to a boil. You know, you throw it into your mash and you throw coffee into your boil and you just burn all those organic acids out right from the get go. Um, and there's nothing. There's nothing but those weird burnt flavors left. Oh, yeah. You know? It's, it's so it's, easy to do. It's tough. So I, I think they did a pretty good job on this. Um, yeah. I'm liking I, what we have here in our glass. Yeah, so this is this was, was pretty good. Um, I'm very happy. I was afraid I was going to say something really negative. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. It makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? Sure it sure does. <laughs> so, and I think that brings us towards the direction in that I, I do find it's a lot. it's a lot more pleasant to say good things about places you love. And usually one of the last questions I'll throw at people, and yes, I know we probably could go forever, but we're going to keep this relatively short for the podcasting audience. All right. Um, You're a Rochester native. I am. Yeah, born and raised. And you live in the Southwedge. Close enough. Close enough. I mean, Southwedge area. Yeah, Swilberg. Right, Swilberg, which is a popular new area now. I'm, I'm next door, yeah. Yeah. So what are your... What are your Rochester places that if you're telling somebody, hey, I, you got to go here for food or you have to go here for uh, for drinks or whatever, oh, what, yeah. what, what are your places right now? Right now, man. Um, I, I, You know, it's a little lame right now uh, just because 
coming off of clothesline with my wife working 60 plus hours. I didn't do a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say some of my favorite places to eat right now would be, um, I've checked out the uh, Marty's Meats location. Mm -hmm. Big fan of that for a quick bite. Uh, I feel like Buddha Pub is a great place to grab some really nice, like the ramen there is, I think, probably some of the best in Rochester I've had. Yeah, there's not not a lot of real ramen. There's no real ramen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's hard because it's you know Buddha Pub's doing something different. Yeah, it's not real ramen, but it's very tasty. Yeah, they do <laughs> they do a lot of good stuff there. Ah, uh, and the pork that they make is quite good. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely excellent. I you know be, having gone to Prohibition Pub, I would say that Buddha Pub is right up there or better with mm-hmm. their pork products, which sure. is saying something. Prohibition Pig is crushing it absolutely everybody wants to go there um so so that's that's those are places i like to eat um aunt rosie's uh owl house is like man if i have a sunday off and my wife is around owl house that's it's it's a pretty rocking brunch scene there brunch scene man cocktails they have a kick-ass beer menu they're they're just, and it's so accessible. You feel like you're just sitting down in someone's living room to eat. It's because you basically awesome. are. Because you basically are. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, um, for the size of the place, I mean, they have what eight taps? Yeah, eight or ten taps. I yeah, mean, it's it's pretty impressive. I yeah, mean, they have a strong rotating beer list there, and they aren't bringing in any losers, man. They're bringing nope. in uh, every time I go there. I'm like, wow, I can drink this whole tap line. That's right, and they also rotate pretty quickly. They, they do. go through volume and. It's a great thing. Yeah. Because you don't want to have too many lines and too many things that aren't rotating. Right. So it's a it's a good thing to have that yeah. you don't always get what you think you're going to get. That's true. That's true. That's an awesome all-around place. Uh, for just beer, Tap and Mallet, 100%. Yeah. I freaking love that place. Um, I go there for lunch beer sometimes, and I'm like one of the only people in there at like <laughs> noon or 11.30 in the morning drinking a beer. Um Love it. Ah, I love a lunch beer. It's <laughs> such a good thing. Um, I hit up the Revelry a lot. My, my little brother works there. Uh, he's bar backing, bartending now. Um, I saw that he, uh, is he officially graduated? Is he transitioning? Or uh, he's, I, I talked to him last night and he was still like transitioning. He's, okay. He's definitely working, I think, two bartending shifts a week now. That's cool. Um, so I, th- I think his, I think his time is here. I, I hope his time is here. Well, there's more opportunities too. Oh yeah. You know, with, uh, with the New Mexican place opening. Black Honey. Yep. Yeah. I always forget the name. Black Honey. Yeah. Black Honey is a New Mexican place. And then there's a beer garden opening up as well. Near, that's, that'll be near the uh, public market. Yep. My brother is extremely excited about the beer garden. Yeah. It's, it's uh-huh. a really interesting idea and something we, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think that's a hole in the market that yeah. we really... That we, I think we really do need. German beer holds a special place in my heart because it is so delicious. And Germans, being awesome, amazing people, right, figured out that if you take a delicious, low percent, full flavor beer and you drink it in a garden surrounded by nature, mm-hmm. that uh, you forget about every bad thing that's ever happened to you for about 20 <laughs> minutes. And you're just in, sort in of nice in this big... blissful place. Yeah. <laughs> and you let your kids run around and chase butterflies or whatever they do in gardens. And They'll be fine. Just pitch back three or four of those big old pitchers of beer and you're 
great spot. Everything's <laughs> in good shape. It's where the family goes to drink. That's what a beer garden is. <laughs> right. It's the family drinking spot. It totally is, too, because you don't give kids beer, but they can play in a garden. Sure. Where you get to drink. That's a perfect balance. That's that's something for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if Sesame Street had a brewery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, idea, you yeah. know? <laughs> Oscar beer cans. Oh, my God. Actually, we already have Oscar Oscar Blues beer cans. Oscar Blues, yeah. That's but, actually pretty good stuff right there, man. I'm into it. They have a new IPA I haven't got my hands on yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I almost bought it for us tonight, but then I saw the sour, and I was like, no. Yeah, it was pretty sour. interesting. Hard, hard <laughs> to beat. And you know I like the sours. So. Oh, gosh, sours, man. Yeah. I'm into sours. Yeah, so those those are definitely, those are the places that I'm going right nice. now. Um, Cure. It's a little out of my way, uh, it, especially it for someone who walks everywhere. But yeah. um, God damn. <laughs> Cure, Cure is, there, there's some, uh, I, I've had, I had Donnie on once before for a podcast uh, with, with Zach Makita from the Revelry. Did you really? Black County, yeah. That was, that was fun. Yeah, I'll bet. Those, those two, two guys on. High energy. High energy. Liable to say into anything. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, but love those guys. It's Donnie's hard to beat right now as a bartender. He's really killing it over there at Cure. He's crushing it. Uh, if you ever have a chance for their uh, booze your own adventure menu on Saturday nights, mm. talking to Donnie, you're never going to get something that's not awesome. It's hard. Yeah. I, I very rarely go in with an idea of what I want. Yeah. And I'll usually ask him what's inspiring him right then, or he'll have this new competition cocktail or just oh, yeah. Yeah. something he came up with and like, oh, this isn't on the menu. Always spot on. This isn't something you developed over months. This is like, oh, this is just what came to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, this is pretty much a perfect cocktail. He knows his he knows his, his uh, arsenal better than any other bartender I've met, I think. Um, he can tell you what flavor notes are in every different realm behind his bar. Uh, he knows where they're coming from. He, he knows how they're being made. He, he's, he's got it going on, man. Absolutely. He knows what he's doing. Freaking, I freaking love a Donnie cocktail. Yeah. It's a, I'm, so I'm in a Negroni guy and it's hard to get me away it's from a great, Negronis. It's a great cocktail. But he crushes those too. So yeah. <laughs> it, it is a great cocktail. Oh, I love that thing. Yeah. Just love Campari. Yeah. Bitter and awesome. <laughs> See, now, now you're making me want to make one of those when we're done. <laughs> I think that's a distinct possibility. Oh yes, that's probably that's probably the two ten percent beers we've had talking. Yeah, about. I think that's it's probably a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, yeah. So we went to our Rochester places. Uh, I think we're going to cut it off now before we get ourselves into too much more trouble on the podcast. Um, that's fair. so. I'm going to say, uh, Jim, can you give me your plugs? Do you have you have social media, right? I do have social media. Yeah. Um, I believe I, 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 don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure my Twitter is J Theophilus Lake. My Instagram is definitely Jim Drinks Coffee. That's a lot easier. That's way easier to remember. Uh, <laughs> J Theophilus Lake was definitely made like three or four years ago. Nice. Um, yeah. Now it's Jim Drinks Coffee for everything. Yeah, um, that's pretty smart. If you type that in, you'll probably find me. Jim I like Drinks it. Coffee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Instagram's definitely where I. I post anything I'm excited about or any of that stuff. Maybe Twitter will turn into that, especially if I can figure out how to change it. Nice. <laughs> to Jim Drinks Coffee. That would probably be good. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, uh, 
pretty much Wednesday through Saturday every night at Joe Bean. I'm behind the bar. If you need to talk, if you want beer, if you want coffee, if you want to find out what wines are exciting me, yeah, South Africa, uh, come in and talk to me. Jim's your man. I love all that stuff. So if you're looking for Jim, he's tall. Yes. So you'll find him. Not the short guy. Because he's tall. Yes. <laughs> I, I like that I'm the guy at work who can say, I'm not the short one. Yeah, almost exclusively. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't work with Rory. <laughs> <laughs> he works Tuesdays during the day. I don't work with that guy. Day shift. <laughs> Nonsense. All right. So thanks to Jim for coming in, and thanks for tuning in, everyone.